The American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons reported that knee pain is becoming more common for younger patients. How much pain makes a patient a good candidate for a total knee replacement? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Paul Lux, co-founding member of the Orthopedic Center of St. Louis. Dr. Lux is an internationally recognized expert in his field of total joint replacement. Welcome, Dr. Lux. Thanks, Mark, for having me. Today we are discussing knee replacements. Dr. Lux, what is the profile of a patient who typically can benefit from a knee replacement? Well, that's changed quite a bit in recent years. Uh, when I started in practice uh, 20 years ago, the average patient was well into their 70s. But as advances have come forth and knee replacements last longer and are much more uh, high-performance type knee replacements, the average knee replacement patient in my practice is in their 50s. But what did we do before knee replacements? That's a good question. You know, I remember well my grandparents with arthritis in their knees. And in the 70s, uh, the treatment for osteoarthritis of the knee was a rocking chair. <laughs> it was uh, codeine and some aspirin. And people accepted their limitations in their lifestyle. But weren't there surgical procedures just short of knee replacements then? There really weren't. You know, prior to oh, the late 70s or early 80s, there was really uh, no treatment for osteoarthritis of the knee, no surgical treatment. We certainly had uh, corticosteroid injections. We had some of the early anti-inflammatory medications that we all remember, Feldine, uh, Naproxen, but we did not have any real surgical treatments for osteoarthritis of the knee. Well, what really is a knee replacement specifically? A knee replacement is not actually replacing the knee. A better term would be resurfacing of the knee. How's that? Well, in a total knee replacement, all that I do is remove about a quarter inch of the surface of the knee and put a, a metal and plastic coating on it. It's much like a dentist when he caps a tooth. He'll grind a little bit off and then put a new covering on it. That's basically what a knee replacement is. All the muscles, the tendons, the ligaments, the things that actually make your knee work are exactly the same before knee replacement as they are after knee replacement. You said that most of your patients are in their 50s, yes? I'd say that's the average patient. Now, the range of patients is quite diverse in that I certainly have done knee replacements on 17-year-old kids that have developed post-traumatic arthritis from a car accident, and I've done a double knee replacement on a 95-year-old wife of an orthopedic surgeon who had to quit playing golf because her knees hurt so bad. Why would it be so early in the 50s for the average person, or are these special circumstances like athletes? Well, I think that our population is, is certainly much more active. People are certainly uh, have had injuries in their 20s that translate into arthritis in their 50s. An example is this. If you tear your ACL when you're a kid, when you're in high school or college, uh, you are 10 times more likely to need a knee replacement in your 50s than someone that has not torn their ACL. And back in the 70s, when my generation was playing football, if you tore your ACL, there was basically no surgical options. These people now, I see, uh, my peers, people I went to high school with, need their knees replaced. Well, Dr. Lux, when someone comes to you with knee pain, 
What makes you decide they need a knee replacement as opposed to just non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents or other medical treatments? You know, it's something that uh, rarely does somebody wake up one day and say, I need a knee replacement. They've gone to their doctor, either their family doctor or their orthopedist for many years. They've tried all of the conservative modalities. This includes anti-inflammatory medications, cortisone injections, viscosupplementation, which is known by Synvisc or Suparts or Hyalgin, possibly an arthroscopic debridement of their knee. And so when someone comes to me, they typically have tried all these things to, to keep their knee functioning. So a typical person would come to me, they'd say, I've tried all these things, I can't walk uh, a mile, I've had to give up golf or tennis, my knee wakes me up at night, uh, I can't go on living like this. And if their x-rays correlate, meaning that they have no articular cartilage remaining, then they're an excellent candidate for knee replacement. Are many of these patients have antecedent trauma? In my practice, about 10% of my patients have post-traumatic arthritis. Now, many patients have had a prior open or arthroscopic meniscectomy, which greatly increases the stress on the surface of the knee and then greatly accelerates the wear of the normal articular cartilage. So trauma, such as a fracture, is a fairly small percentage, but trauma in that they hurt their knee playing football or in sports and had to have an arthroscopic procedure or an open meniscectomy you know, years ago is a very common way someone would present to me. And finally, how soon after a total knee replacement can someone walk and then do activity? You know, we, we move these folks along very quickly. The average stay in the hospital for my patients is about two and a half days. If you're under 60, chances are you'll stay about 48 hours. And if you're over 60, 72 hours. But my patients get up the next day. They're allowed full weight-bearing. We do a lot of different things for pain management that allows our patients to get up and, and walk on their knee and put full weight on their knee the day after surgery. So people actually walk with a walker, you know, the morning after surgery. Uh, most of my patients will stay on a walker about two weeks, and then they progress to a cane. By four weeks, you're driving. You can go to outpatient therapy. But knee replacement is unique, and I tell every one of my patients this. It's the only operation where the doctor does about 5% of the work, and the patient has to do 95% of the work. And what I mean by that is the physical therapy is everything. If you do a little therapy, you'll have a decent knee, and if you, ha- if you do a lot of therapy, you'll have a great knee. But by far and away, the most important part of a knee replacement is the patient's involvement and the patient's willingness to do their physical therapy. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Paul Lux, co-founding member of the Orthopedic Center of St. Louis. Dr. Lux is an internationally recognized expert in his field of total joint replacement. And today we are discussing knee replacements. Dr. Lux, I understand that there are many different types of knee replacement products. Could you tell us about the current technology in knee replacement products? Sure, Mark. It's it's very exciting time to be uh, involved in joint replacement for a couple reasons. Many of the technical problems that plagued early knee replacements have been solved. Those were alignment, fixation of the implants to the bone, and wear. And so I can now look a patient in the eye 
and tell them that their knee replacement is going to last 20 years, that their knee replacement is going to perform much better than previous generations, and that they're going to get more flexibility of their knee and be able to, to do things like snow ski or water ski or play tennis or golf without the fear of this knee wearing out uh, prematurely. Specifically, the advances that have helped uh, my patients are the introduction of new surfaces for the bone to grow into on the backside of the implant. What do you mean by that? In the old days, cement was the, the gold standard. The implants were attached to the bone by a methacrylate, which is a, a cement. It's mixed up in the operating room. It's a powder and a liquid, and it cures in about 10 minutes. It's the exact same acrylic cement that the dentist uses to, to cement a crown on. The problem with cement is over a number of years, it weakens and eventually breaks, and then the implants are loose from the bone. My approach and, and approach of, of many orthopedic surgeons is now to do it without cement or what we call cementless total knee replacement. And in that, the bone of the patient actually grows to the implant and basically forms a bond that will last forever. Well, if it lasts forever, then you mentioned 20 years is the life expectancy of the new joint. Why uh, that discrepancy? Well, there has to be a part that wears. And between the two metal pieces of the knee replacement, there is a plastic piece. And this plastic piece wears. They have not been able to design a piece that lasts forever. Uh, however, it's very easy to change, much like a brake shoe in your car. I've been doing this long enough now that my patients I did 20 years ago, they come in, the piece of plastic is changed in the operating room, it takes about 15 minutes, and they go home the next day. And it's not near the recovery period of having a, a first-time knee replacement. But what's important is the main pieces, the metal pieces, the, the femoral component and the tibial component, do not have to be changed because they've grown to the host bone, to the patient's own bone, and they are basically part of the knee forever. Recently, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal and the U.S. News & World Report about the advanced stature replacement. What exactly is that? Well, the advanced knee is, is a brand name uh, of a knee replacement that's manufactured by a company called Wright Medical Technology in Memphis. And what's significant about this is that as years went on and as we refined our understanding of the way the knee moves, what we call the kinematics of the knee, we found that a man's knee and a woman's knee were not exactly the same. How's that? Well, specifically the width of the femur, of the distal femoral condyles, varies between men and women. And so it's basically not a one-size-fits-all. It's much akin to there's, there's widths of women's shoes and there are widths of men's shoes. And you really, you know, a man can't wear a woman's width shoe and vice versa. And so Wright Medical designed a knee that is actually narrower in the AP projection, in the medial lateral projection when you're looking at the front view of the knee, that is narrower for a woman. And this allows the knee in our female patients to bend more normally. Are you using that type of fixture? Yes. That is something that I've incorporated into my practice. It's been quite helpful. It adds to the ability of a woman to bend her knee after surgery. The problem was when we had just one size fits all, basically the femoral component was too, relatively too big for a woman, and so her knee felt too tight. It, she couldn't bend her knee quite as well. 
and this has eliminated that problem. Well, is this extended on to uh, someone like a 400-pound football player and a 150-pound businessman? We have different sizes. We've always had different sizes, uh, depending on the size of the bone of the patient. These sizes we are able to template preoperatively from their x-rays, and then, and then it correlates with a measurement that I take inside the knee. And certainly not one size fits all, but once you get into the difference in sexes, it's more of a width problem, and that's what the stature does. The width on a stature knee for a woman is narrower than for a man. I want to thank Dr. Paul Lux, who has been our guest. We have been discussing knee replacements. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.